Hello everyone, welcome. Let's go live. I am streaming live on Instagram and on YouTube. Welcome to this first birthday edition of Thursday Tea Time Live. So the first one of these was the 4th of February 2021. So we're now the 3rd of February 2022. So I am taking that as the first birthday. It is um which means we've been doing this a year how fantastic and a lot of you have been with me for the entire time or for a lot of the time so thank you very much and um yeah and, and welcome so let me get all set up i hope everyone can hear me well i can see people joining hi jenna uh, jenna thank you for your photo ready with under your blanket with your cup of tea uh lisa uh, lara bobby ann oh bobby ann i will make a special mention of you because bobby ann has just joined my patreon so thank you very much um and if you would like to join uh bobby ann and the rest of us over on patreon then i'll give you the details of that uh in a bit um but yeah so thank you all for your support uh, some of you have been with me for quite a long time. Some of you are new here and welcome. Hello. Hi, welcome. Um, <laughs> sorry about handle names if I get them wrong. Um, hello, Orlando. Um, everyone joining over there on uh, on Instagram. And hi, welcome to everyone coming in on YouTube as well. So yes, one year indeed, Kalina. One year, can you believe it? I'm going to... I think today, um, if you'll indulge me, I'll give you a little bit of a background to me and to uh, how Thursday Tea Time began, what the point of it was supposed to be, um, and uh, and yes, yeah, some of the, I don't know, a bit of a background. Um, Bobby Ann, thank you. My information is incredible. Well then, thank thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so yes, so thank you everyone for joining me. Thank you for everyone. Hi Michael, welcome. Michael's been joining me for a long time. Lisa, birthday, woohoo! Um, but also special thanks as always to anyone who's um, bought me a coffee, joined my Patreon or supported me in uh, in, in other ways. Um, so yeah, welcome. If you're new here as well, there's the, the channels are both growing. My YouTube and my Instagram channels are growing really quite quickly now so I want to welcome any of you who are new here as well. If you love history, British history in uh, particular, um, then you're in the right place I think. I hope everyone would agree because we have um, hopefully interesting discussions. I think it must be otherwise you wouldn't be here. I do try and give a different slant on things potentially. Um, that's just I suppose my way because every, all of us have got come to something with uh, individual experience and maybe um, uh, uh, outlooks and so I try and bring that into to what I'm speaking about. My voice I'm afraid I'm hoping makes it through this hour. Um, I've had a very short cold but it's uh, it's got to my vocal cords. Hi Orlando from Rio, Orlando sorry from Rio, Rio, Rio. I can do a little bit of singing, better not push it. Um, thank you, Bobby Ann, saying happy birthday. So how is everyone? The sun's out here. Now I am, as some of you um, would have heard me say before, I'm definitely solar powered. I just don't work well in the winter on the dark. It's, it's really not my bag. I live in England. <laughs> it's not ideal. Um, although saying that, we 
we have some of the best summers. When our summers are good, they are the best. 2020 was a brilliant summer. So I'm hoping 2022 is a good summer because I'm back on tour this year. So I'll tell you more about that as well. Um, so for any of you who are new here, or just as a reminder, I am here every Thursday at one o'clock doing this Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live, which is a bit of a meander through um, history things I've been up to, things that are coming up, and history anniversaries as well, maybe history that's hit the news. I don't know, you also can put um, to me any history-based questions, um, basically as long as it's not out of, out of order, I'll probably answer it. Um, Lisa is sitting on an electric mat Lisa, where are you? You're in, are you in the UK? It, it's, yeah, it's really cold today. We're all going to have to be be careful as well, aren't we, with the amount that we, uh, we're spending. Marion, good morning. Good morning. It's early where you are, I know, and thank you for the happy birthday wishes. Thank you very, very much. Um, so, yes, there's a little reminder. If you're on Instagram, if you tap the screen, you can send hearts swimming up and make me feel very happy. And if you are on YouTube, you can click the thumbs up button, which is a, the like button, Northamptonshire, Lisa, oh, yeah. It is getting a little bit, it's chilly, the sun's out, but it's just very chilly still. Uh, Orlando, complimenting me on my singing. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jenna, have the winter weather heading our way here in New England, so I know what you mean. The cold just drains the battery, doesn't it? Also, it's dark, Lisa, what would you say in the UK? It's dark about five o'clock in the afternoon. So the, the, the days are getting slightly longer, but it goes dark and I'm like, right, done. <laughs> is, it, is it bedtime? I just want to, it's just the energy, I'm just, I'm a summer person. My children, direct opposite, they love the winter. They like being inside, they like being cosy. Um, not me, not me. Yeah, Lisa, she says it's miserable. It is. Mm. So yeah, so remember, say hi, send me hearts, give me a thumbs up on YouTube and post your comments um, and questions if you have any. Um, now, even it, also I must say, so I, I stream live on YouTube and Instagram, but you can always get me on the catch up as well. And I do put the audio of this onto the podcast. If you're listening on the podcast, welcome. Thank you. I know quite a lot of you do. Um, Lisa just wants to close the front door and hibernate. Yeah. Do you know, I think I would do that from November to the end of February if I was allowed. If I, if it, I feel like if I was a millionaire, then that's probably one of the things that I would do. <laughs> what would you do if you were rich? I would hibernate. <laughs> I would take myself out of circulation. For, don't even wake me up for Christmas. Not interested. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so I have said... I thought for the first birthday, um, as this is my first birthday episode, not my first birthday, the first birthday of Thursday uh, Tea Time History Chat Live, that I'll give you a little bit of a background as to where I came from, how I started, how this show started, um, if you're interested, of course. Um, Imaginist, I'm a winter person. You're living in Greece, are you not? All the way, absolutely miserable in the summer. But even my brain goes right. Workday has officially ended as soon as it goes dark outside and my energy fully drains. Yes, maybe it's a light dark thing as opposed to a cold warm thing. I know what you mean. When it gets too hot, it's a bit the same, isn't it? You're just like, I'm done. I can't I can't concentrate. Um, 
but yeah, the light, the light. I like the light. Um, so I'm not a vampire. So that's good news, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so I'll tell you a bit more about me. Um, yeah, please excuse me if I cough today. <coughs> like that, as ably demonstrated, because um, I am getting over a very short cold. Uh, so, right. Before we move on, I want to give a personal thanks to some people who have bought me a coffee. Did you know you could do this? You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa with one L and two P's. <laughs> and if you did so, you would be joining Doug, Mike, Dan, Joe, Gail, who bought me two, thank you, Michael and Lynn. You can also, if you want something back for your money as well, other than just this sort of stuff, then you can join my Patreon which is patreon.com uh, forward slash British history. And if you do that on the monarchy level, you would be uh, joining Margaret, Elise and Rebecca. The royalty level, you, we have Gail, Rebecca, Deborah, Linda, Catherine and Bobby Ann. Bobby Ann, my newest member. On the nobility, we have Kirsty, Joanne, Beverly, Cassidy, Marie and John. And the upper class, we have Steve, Terry, Elizabeth, Laurie, Dee, Janice and Donna Marie. And then you can just be a kind supporter if you wish, like Sonia is. So thank you to those people, especially because um, you keep me in tea. You keep me in tea and lights and electric. So thank you. Um, so I'm going to do some uh, history anniversaries that we have this week. I want to talk to you about some of the things that we've been doing. Last night's History After Dark Room was brilliant and you can catch that again. And I'm going to let you know a little bit more if you weren't with us what we were talking about. We had another special guest last, uh, yeah, last night. Um, what we've got coming up. Uh, we have the Just For Fun question. I have actually got round to sorting out what is happening in Patreon for the next three months. So I can tell you, even if you're not um, in Patreon, it just might be interesting to I generally go off on one about what I'm going to be doing. So give you a few <laughs> bit, bit more details and uh, etc. a bit more information. Um, Rachel has managed to join it. He hello, we haven't seen Rachel, random dancing. Um, you managed to join us quite a lot during the lockdown, I think, and then you've been super busy recently. So um, welcome. Thank you. It's so nice to see you here again. Um, evenings are lighter and it's good news indeed. Buy me a coffee should be buy me a beer. To be fair, that is probably where some of the coffee money goes. <laughs> Lisa really enjoyed yesterday evening um, and Janice. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Janice. Janice is also a member of my Patreon. And Anandita, welcome. Hi, over there in India. We are international. Um, Come uh, <laughs> uh, Reza Amma? What's, what should I actually be calling you? But thank you for the, uh, the birthday wishes. Um, yeah, we're international now. So we have on online at the moment, we've got the UK, we've got Canada, we've got America, we've got Australia, we have India, we have Brazil, we have Greece. Who have I missed out? Emma. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. <laughs> I will uh, do my best to, to remember. Um, so anyway, yes, yeah, so we've got lots coming up. Oh, I have, um, I was a guest on a podcast. <laughs> Emma says she needs to change her handle. Just for me, Emma, if you wouldn't mind. 
Um, uh, yes, Lisa, uh, uh, England, indeed. Sorry, did I? I thought I started off with England. Maybe I, maybe I've just only thought it. Uh, so yeah, everyone's international. We have a really lovely community here. Um, so thank you, <clears throat> thank you for all joining. So we'll do the just for fun question as well. Last week I, so every week, if you don't know, I set a just for fun question. It's based on one of my um, videos. Italy, oh, ciao, Danny. Uh, um, yeah, so, so the, the question each week will be based on one of my videos. Obviously trying to encourage you to go and have a look at some of my other stuff, but you know, because it's, I'm proud of it. There's lots of uh, interesting uh, videos that I've done. Now the, the question from last week was based on the interview <clears throat> I'm hoping my voice lasts. Uh, it was based on the interview that I did with Leslie Smith, who I'm going to come back to talk, talk to you a bit about in a minute. Um, she uh, she portrays women out of his, in history, um, and it, it began. If you listen to the uh, interview, oh, down in South Africa. Hi, Morag. Um, if yeah, if you if you listen to the interview, um, she talks about how she got into doing this. Now she is the curator at uh, at Tutbury Castle. She she has the lease there, indeed, and as a way of encouraging people um, into the castle, she started to do um, what I'll loosely call reenacting at the moment. Because if you listen to the interview, you'll gather that it's a lot lot more than that. Um, and she began with Mary Queen of Scots. Mary Queen of Scots was a prisoner at um, oh good afternoon, Danny. Um, was a uh, prisoner at Tutbury Castle on four occasions and for 11 months in the year prior to her execution. It's probably at Tutbury that she became embroiled in the Babington plot which led to her execution in um, in February, um, where am I, 1568? Excuse me. <coughs> um, and that's to do with the beer barrels. Do you know about this? So a lot of the uh, the, the letters that were intercepted or the, the secret letters that were being sent as part of the Babington pot between the conspirators were um, were hidden in beer barrels. Well, Tutbury Castle is not far away from um, the brewing town of Burton-on-Trent. Anyway, so it's likely that she became um, involved in the Babington plot while she was staying at Tutbury. This is Mary Queen of Scots, anyone who's just joined. Um, so, so Leslie decided to, um, yeah, so I suppose to reenact as Mary Queen of Scots, and it built from there. Now, my question was about. Um, I could have asked a million questions. Honestly, if you haven't seen the interview with Leslie, do um, do listen because it's really quite fascinating. Um, and, uh, and and and. And anyway, I'll come back to the question. It was about the weight of the dress that she wears when she's Catherine of Aragon. Let me just see. Imagine this. When we say they have the lease, meant to ask, do we mean they fully rent it as a residence, but they also have to run it, deal with it, restorations, um, grants and limitations, etc. And it, it, I, I suppose it depends on um, who your landlord is. The landlord in this case is the Crown. So... Yeah, I think normally when you take on a lease of somewhere, you are responsible for its upkeep. Um, it's not a residential um, 
property. You couldn't live at Tutbury. There's not enough of it left, but it's certainly run as a, a very successful um, business. And I'm going to I'm going to come on to talk uh, more about Tutbury. It is the um, the uh, topic of the Patreon blog, which is going live today. When I finished writing it, uh, because Tutbury. So it's central England. This is why it's a good place to keep Mary Queen of Scots. It's about as far away from the sea as you can get. It's um, a long way from Scotland, whilst also still being a long way from London. Um, so it was ideal, one of the most ideal places to keep Mary. She hated it. She hated it. And she and she was really poorly when she was here, uh, here when she was at Tutbury as well. Um, awful things happened to her at Tutbury. I'll be talking about Tutbury on the Visit Tudor Britain room tomorrow on Instagram at four o'clock. So if you're around at four o'clock UK time tomorrow, I'll be going in, in depth into the story of the Tudors at Tutbury Castle as part of, um, as part of that room. Um, that will either be going live on my Instagram channel or, um, or Tudor underscore times. I can't remember the Debs Tudor Doc Times or Tudor underscore times. Um, but if you if you look out, you'll see I'm going live at four o'clock tomorrow. If you join there, I will be talking in more depth about Tutbury Castle um, and Mary Queen of Scots um, story there. The, the blog that I've done for patrons, that is about the castle itself. I mean, it's it has, there's evidence that pre-Roman conquest, there were... Um, there was an Iron Age settlement there. The Romans settled there. Uh, the Anglo-Saxons, after the the Romans gone, uh, um, live uh, had had a had a settlement there. And then you go to the Norman Conquest, and we get things started to be written down. Um, and uh, Tudor underscore times. Thank you, journalist. Thank you. Um, you'll see it's got a lovely red logo if you've got the right one <laughs> uh i'd also encourage you to have a look at tudor um places um which i think is tudor underscore places that's uh, that's another one run by deb royal um anyway so so the blog if you're a patron that will be coming out later to uh, and it's called um Tutbury castle dominance and decline because it was a significant important um favored castle well placed and then um after um mary's incarceration there of course elizabeth never visited although mary's son did james did but the decline in it meant it was very expensive to repair um and then we get the english civil wars um and and the, the castle is a crown castle um it 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 uh, stands firm for Charles the first Charles the first um was was there at times um so of course what happens to all the castles that held out for the royalist cause they get whatever was left of them taken down so you have quite a ruin but there's lots of it left still to see um and uh I go into this actually. I'll go into it. I'll go into it a lot tomorrow in the Visit Tudor Britain room uh, on Instagram at four o'clock. And also, if you are uh, in the Patreon, you'll see the blog. So, um, so there's that. Um, 
I was going to talk to you a little bit, wasn't I, about how this got started. I don't know if you're interested, um, so I won't take long over it. But so it's a year today, well, it's a year tomorrow, actually, that I began doing these lives. And um, we were still very heavily into, um, I'm going to say lockdown, because it was some sort of variation on it. Uh, I certainly wasn't able to go and see many historic locations. Um, but it meant, but I was still wanting to share history with everybody, which is which is my passion, which is how I got into doing all of this, um, and that began back in officially 2014 when I set up my company, which is called History Holidays Limited, but we trade as British History Tours, and the idea behind it was. I'd already by that point been travelling about 10 years around history um, sites. Now, you'll all probably understand this. When you read about somewhere in a book, um, something happened, someone was born, somebody died, I don't know, whatever it is, significant events, and you want to go. You want to go and see where this, this stuff happened if you can. And I'm very lucky because I'm... I live in Britain and I love British history. Um, so I, I'd been already travelling about 10 years around historical places for my own love of it. What I began to notice, because I do quite, a, I, was, I was doing increasing amounts of research before I'd go somewhere. And then, by the way, you learn a whole heap more when you go, of course, which is another benefit of being able to visit these places. What I was noticing was, of course, that because of the way they're set up, because of, I don't know, because they're tourist attractions, a lot of them, people were just walking through um, and um, uh, not not really, they obviously didn't, they, I don't know, they were walking through places that didn't, they didn't understand the significance, um, well, they're just missing the stories around where they were. Um, Hello, this thing of ours in Sydney. We're adding Australia to the list today. Hello, welcome. What time is it there? Is it early morning, late night. I'm, shall I? Shall I? Shall I tone my voice down? <laughs> Go to sleep. Um, yeah. So, so, and I just thought, God, I would love to be able to um, to speak to people and let them know what it is that happened here where they're walking through i mean you've got buildings of course um but i could give you examples now of places that are just on the street that people just walk through every day fair enough you know you can't spend your whole time um <laughs> sort of looking at things that, that and thinking about the past you know we do have to go on with life but um i'll give you those examples in a moment and indeed uh, i i got to know from my friends that today is the anniversary of your live chat Tell me how has been the experience. It, uh, so yes, it is the anniversary. The first, so I've been doing this for a year. So the first one was last uh, February the 4th. Um, so yes, this is our first birthday. Um, just before I get onto those examples, a mad journalist clubhouse has been kicking off for two weeks. We're going to move away from clubhouse. I was going to come back and uh, talk about that. Um, oh, Lisa's also been having that trouble. So... That's interesting. We're going to start coming off Clubhouse anyway and moving. Um, well, we already have moved a lot of stuff onto Instagram. And I think that's probably going to be the case for 
all of the rooms. I may as well tell you now, Monday, Monday's room we're knocking on the head, so there won't be a clubhouse room every Monday, and the Friday's room that was on clubhouse is under review as well. Um, but we have History After Dark on Instagram every Wednesday night, that's history.after.dark, with myself, Kat Marchant, and Catherine Brooks. Um, and then on a Friday, well, you, you have me here on a Thursday, and then on a Friday we do visit Tudor Britain, and that's myself, uh, Sarah Morris, who's the Tudor Travel Guide, and Deb Royal, who is Tudor Times. And then straight after that room, we normally do a clubhouse room, um, but we will see. Um, <laughs> Colleen, tastefully Tudor fan girls. <coughs> <coughs> Mm. I am going to have to keep drinking today because as you can probably hear my voice is uh, a little bit <laughs> a little bit shaky unfortunately it's not because I've been singing too much it's because I've been coughing too much uh, I promised you two examples of places that people just walk through now they're very close to each other and happily I have videos on both who, <laughs> who would have guessed but let me tell you about them anyway one of them is the execution site of um, uh, Charles I. That anniversary was only a few days ago, the 30th of January. And, um, and he was executed outside Banqueting House on, on the road that's now Whitehall. Uh, it was the Palace of Whitehall. Um, oh, the weekly club on Clubhouse, tastefully chewed. Oh, okay, I see. Um, Bye Emma, see you later. Uh, Colleen has a best tea hat. What does a tea hat look like? Oh, Monica's joined in from Italy. Ciao, I've not seen you for a while. I hope you're well. Uh, Monica's joined us on Instagram. Um, Colleen, I want to know what's a tea hat. Oh, it's in a tea cosy. Are you wearing a tea cosy? <laughs> does anyone have tea cosies anymore? Right, so Whitehall. There's one. So if you stand on the pavement outside Banqueting House, oh, a big hat, okay. And if you uh, stand outside yeah, Banqueting House on Whitehall, on the pavement there, you are standing where the scaffold was erected to execute Charles I in 1649, 30th of January, 1649. And um, he... Um, so he, he was he was brought through Whitehall Palace. There, there was more of it, a lot more of it remaining than there is now. And he actually had walked through the banqueting house. Now, inside banqueting house on the ceiling, if you haven't been and you're coming to London and they're open, um, try and get into banqueting house. It's it's calm. It's quiet. It's quite weird. Actually, you walk through and, and you're, 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 you're on Whitehall, but it's quiet. Um, anyway, the ceiling paintings are by Ruben and, uh, Rubens and Charles I actually had those um, commissioned. He commissioned those. And um, there's lots of stories in the, in the paintings, of course. But it depicts his father, ja uh, James, um, going up to heaven, being received into heaven. Now, he would have walked under that painting. I remember Charles I and his father fully bought into um, the divine right of kings. So Charles I isn't really 
nervous of dying in the same way actually as his grandmother, Mary Queen of Scots. He knew that he was being, mm, I was going to say martyred, not quite martyred in the same way as, as, as his grandmother was, um, or was seen to be. But he, he was, he for a cause, he knew he was being executed um, because of, of a cause, or at least that's what he, he would have thought. Um, so he's, he's led through Banqueting House, he's led out of a window which is now blocked up, I believe, or I believe he was brought out of the window that is now blocked up, shall I say, um, and onto the scaffold. Now, there was the, the, I don't know if there was one or two gates because I, um, so in my video about this, um, and this is something I need to go and find out about. The Holbein and the King's Gate um, were, were, I thought, still there, which would have made a sort of courtyard in front of the banqueting house. Joanne um, says she visited in 2015. The ceiling is beautiful, isn't it? They used to have, I hope they'll, they have them now or they'll bring them back, big cushions um, on the floor. So if you can get out, if you can get back up <laughs> from such a device, um, then you can you can go on these big cushions and lie back and, and look at them. Uh, they also have a big mirror, so you can see it. The scaffold was the scaffold on the street side or at the back. So on the street side, Joanne. So so like I say, the the my understanding was that the King's Gate and the Holbein Gate were still uh, in situ at the time of his execution. Um, which made this sort of courtyard um, into which there was a crowd, it was packed, Pepys was there, um, the, the famous diarist. And the reason I'm saying now I want to go and check is because when I went to see the Mary and Elizabeth exhibition at the British Library with Deb Royal, we were having a look at a map that was included in that exhibition and there's only one gate. <laughs> <laughs> we were really confused. So anyway, that's why I mentioned that. Um, so the scaffold is set up at the front of Banqueting House. So literally where the pavement is right now. Um, and as a final act of humiliation, um, the low block was used. So usually for, usually, usually when someone gets their head chopped off, um, and they were of nobility, they would have had a higher block so that they were effectively on their knees. The lower block, this low block, I don't know why I'm doing this like as if I'm actually indicating an actual size of block, but a low block meant you had to lie down. Okay, so it's a final act of humiliation. So Charles, instead of being given the higher block which would have allowed him to kneel he was made to put his head on the low block which forced him to lie down as this final act of humiliation and where that happened is a busy street actually it wasn't that busy last time I went but that's because of the uh, that's because of the the travel restrictions <coughs> hopefully it's a lot busier now excuse me for coughing so there's one. Now, not far away from that, at the top of Whitehall, you, and again, surprisingly, I have a video. I think, in fact, I think I've done a couple on this because it, it just, I love it, absolutely fascinates me, is a traffic island. 
Um, I call it a roundabout, but I was told that they're not roundabouts, they're traffic islands, or the traffic islands. Anyway, it doesn't matter. There is a statue of Charles I on horseback. Right, there's loads that's interesting about that for a start. It was commissioned during his lifetime. It was hidden during the Commonwealth, and it was brought back out after the restoration of the monarchy and plonked in this spot. The significance of that spot goes back to when an Eleanor Cross in 11... You tell me and I'll tell you. um, When an Eleanor Cross was placed there, that Eleanor Cross was destroyed by the um, parliamentarian forces. That is the one that the Victorians did a replica of and now stands outside Charing Cross Station. Um, But some of the regicides that were hunted down and executed... On the, um, by Charles II when he was restored uh, they were hung, drawn and quartered on that spot there's a lot of circular history here and then the Charles I statue is placed there and he is looking down Whitehall towards Banqueting House where he was executed um, so there's just two examples <laughs> of the types of places that got me interested or um yeah, interested in telling the stories of places, but really passionate about sharing, um, sharing those stories with other people, which is why I ended up in, in doing uh, it with my first business, British History Tours. Um, journey says, in Greece, they call them mini roundabouts, so I'm not wrong. Cool. They call triangular ones traffic islands. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, don't give me another element to try and work out. But what's it? So what's really interesting? Again, it's a place where people just walk past. Statues are odd anyway because um, most statues. I don't think people who are walking past them, including myself, know who they are. Who are they? Why? Why is there a statue to them? Why is it there? There's always a story behind all these things. Um, now it's a traffic island, but it's quite a large one with pedestrian crossings coming to it so that people can can cross from the Strand, from Whitehall, from Trafalgar Square, um, so from um, Pall Mall. So they're all, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, and people just obviously walk past it. So it's that kind of thing that got, my, got me passionate about it. So I set up um, my company in 2014. I didn't do a tour until 2018, just because I was green I was green and I didn't do what was involved it just took a long time to set up so British History Tours started touring in 2018 we had a fantastic 2018 we had a brilliant 2019 and the rebooking rate was insane uh something like 60% of the people who came in 2019 had come with me in 2018 now bearing in mind the tours I do are top end luxury um because we we hire out Heaver Castle we we have small you know there's only 20 people on a tour they're you know top notch or whatever and then 2020 should have been the year <laughs> oh should have been the year that everything actually started to properly properly fall into place um anyway that obviously didn't go to plan um and wasn't able to bring it back in 2021 either so in order though to keep spreading the history keep you know um 
uh, talking to people about places and, and historical um, characters, stories, etc. I'd obviously got Instagram, Facebook, YouTube set up. YouTube I wasn't doing that much with. Um, and that really had just been a, a, uh, a route into people finding me for the tours. With everything with the pandemic, I decided, actually, I really like just being able to do this you know communicating with people about history who just love it and don't we all need a diversion right now anyway so began to do a lot more on Instagram I'd already started actually on YouTube doing this week in British history which was a um, a weekly show that summarized some of the key events that had happened in that week so that was 2020 and then in 2021 I broke those down into individuals which is why you've got lots of short videos on my YouTube channel from last year uh, and started doing these weekly Thursday tea time lives so that I could interact and you could ask me questions or you know tell me something you've seen in the news about history or whatever and so that's that's where we are and that's why um, these Thursday tea time history chats started um, a year ago. So happy first birthday, everyone! Thank you for uh, keeping me going. I hope I've helped you as well. I know some people, um, lots of people, actually have written to me saying that that these kind of chats um, and the, the what began on Clubhouse, and I'll come back to talking about those in a minute, has really helped people through it. And I have to say, it's helped it's helped me and it's helped my colleagues too. Oh. I am very excited to be getting back on tour this year. Now, when I am on tour, I won't be able to do, obviously, these long chats on the, the weeks that I'm away, but I will be sharing um, parts of it on, um, you know, you'll see that I'm away because I'll be sharing photos uh, on on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I do do Pinterest a bit. I'm trying. I'm trying with Pinterest. Uh and occasionally TikTok. I I just can't be everywhere at once, can I? But I am trying. Um, so anyway, that was a bit about me. So I hope that was a little bit interesting. Uh, you, let me just have a look. I've talked about the anniversary. So we, we always talk about history anniversaries. We've talked about Charles I. That's, that anniversary has just gone past. Um, and... Did you know, was it 12 years later? Again, I've got a video about this and I put a, I put a post out on Instagram. Um, Oliver Cromwell, so head of the Parliamentarian Forces, um, he was the, um, what was his title during the Commonwealth? Lord Protector um, of the British, of, of the English, or of the Commonwealth, sorry. Um, he, uh, he was posthumously dug up from his tomb in Westminster Abbey, dragged on um, a, what do they call it? When someone's, someone's dragged to Tyburn, can't think of the word, um, hung and beheaded. That's where his body was. And his head was displayed outside Westminster for the entirety of Charles II's reign. So there you go. I think he was sending a message. I don't know what it was. Joking. 
Um, so there you go. There's 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 a there's another um, few anniversaries. In fact, it's the anniversary of Charles II's death as well this week. That's the sixth of February. He died in sixteen eighty five. Now Charles II. <laughs> Bobby, no idea. I don't know what he was trying to say there. Uh, uh, Charles II, when he died, for all that you know, he's the party king. He's got he's got mistresses left, right, and centre. He left no legitimate heirs. This happens, doesn't it? Left no legitimate heirs. So his brother, James, Duke of York, um, he'd been. Um, He'd been really active during the Great Fire of London, um, helping bring that to a, to a conclusion. Um, he, uh, he became uh, James II. That's when it all kicked off. Um, because, oh, it's a long story. But basically, James is a Catholic. Now, I've just finished the tomb that is Anne Somerset's book about Queen Anne. Anne was one of the daughters of um, of James. <laughs> Imagine it says that must have been a ripe one, proper and hygienic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you imagine being the one who actually has to get the body out? Oh, yeah, I know, I know. You'd be like, thanks, thanks, Charles. Cool, brilliant. Um. So yeah, so when so so James II, his daughters, um, are. Oh, Colleen's given me another anniversary that I don't. I'll have to look that up. Sir Francis. The Vicar of Hell. I don't know that one. Um, so James II, so his daughters Mary and Anne, had been educated during the reign of Charles II, um, and had to. So they had, so he had to have his daughters brought up in the Protestant faith, although he remained Catholic. Now, when he came to the throne, the way I read it is he was actually quite a religious tolerant, made out to be a religious tyrant by the people who wanted purely Protestant faith. Um, now, this is where so James II is the one who's, who's eventually um, uh, pushed out and he goes to the continent. And then, of course, for the next three generations, you have the Jacobite um, rebellion and issues. Because after James, you get Mary and then Anne. And then, of course, you get the Georgians. Well, the, the James's line is still alive at that point. His grandson is still alive. Um, and uh, But anyway... That that never, that never uh, manages to to alter the the um, yeah the Protestant line of succession of the uh, English and subsequently British after Anne's throne. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we also have. Did anyone have, has anyone? Lisa, I think you will have heard of this, um, Janice, because this is a British story. But anyone heard of the Busby Babes? Um, now, the, the Busby Babes were the, the the very young Manchester United football team. And I say football in a British way. Football. The, the, so the Man United football team. And they, 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 there's an awful 
car, um, car crash, uh, an awful air crash um, as they were trying to, at least, yes, the football team, um, as they were trying to take off from Munich in a snowstorm. Really incredible why. I, I, I don't know. It was the third attempt at trying to take off. The, the plane got off the ground and quickly... Uh, well, it, it didn't make... Um, yeah, soccer, Jenna. <laughs> um, it did. Uh, the, the the plane didn't make altitude. It hit a tree. It 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 um, smashed into a house and a uh, a gas store. And, and so you know, people. Um, so that, uh, I think most of the team uh, died, and it and a lot a lot of people were injured. But it was a. It's like any. Um, any imagine any team right now that you see or hear about week in week out and and the team's obliterated um extremely sad it really rocked everyone um that was in 1968 uh 6th of february 6th of february not a great date if we can all get through so for all if we can all get through the 6th of feb um that would, i'd be really grateful uh Lancelot Brown. Anyone heard of Lancelot Capability Brown? You might have heard of. He also um, he he died. He, that's in 1783, though, a little bit earlier. Um, now, the reason I mention him is because before I knew about Capability Brown, I hadn't realised how much of the quintessential English countryside was man-made. Excuse me. <coughs> so Capability Brown, that's his nickname. So his name is Lancelot Brown and his, uh, his nickname is Capability uh, because he could see the capability or what we would call potential in the landscape. And he was um, a landscape architect, although I don't know if that was a, a term that would have been used for him then. Um, and, and he was brought in by um, people who owned big country estates and he would um oh genesis a lot a lot mention him in documentaries about palace gardens yes so he so he was responsible for a lot of um uh yeah the the design i think blenheim might have been one of his as well so anyway you've got um you've got a country estate sat on the top the house is set on the top there's rolling hills there's a, a lake or a normally a lake with a stream running into it maybe another hill at the other side and a folly this is all capability brown hand dug i've got a feeling heaver castle might have had a capability brown um i might be wrong garden at one point um places like bowwood have bowwood house if you look at uh, there um i think chatsworth might be a capability brown so now so one, that's supposed to be the English countryside and it's man-made. So that's not what, that's not natural. Um, but, but there would be, you know, in order to create the lakes, um, um, there would, there, there would dam off um, streams. Um, there have, there were, <laughs> if there were villages in the way, they might just be removed. Um, if you were where the, the lake was going to be, that was going to get flooded you know there this is this is this is rich people vandalizing um the homes of the poor people in order to have a nice view 
So, you know, there you go. That's why I find it quite fascinating. So there's there's some history uh, <laughs> history anniversaries for you. <laughs> there's a bit of a mix there, wasn't there? I've already spoken about Mary Queen of Scots, but of course we have the um, and, and her link to Tutbury, which is what the Patreon blog today will be about. Which is what I know. We'll also be talking about Tutbury on Instagram tomorrow at four o'clock. Um, but it is the anniversary of the execution of Mary Queen of Scots on the eighth of February. Um, that was fifteen. 87 um and she she was she was beheaded at Fotheringay Castle of which there is like a little stone left I think I think James her, her son just had the place obliterated understandably <coughs> now there's a link to um to a story we were covering last week which was Catherine of Aragon's bury, burial at Peterborough Cathedral because it was Peterborough Cathedral where Mary Queen of Scots was first buried. She was moved to Westminster Abbey by her son James, who, by the way, in life, did absolutely nothing to try and save his mum, or at least not a lot. Uh, but he did, in, in, when he came uh, to the throne, at least get her moved. So she's in Westminster Abbey with her own tomb, not too far away from Elizabeth I, um and um Elizabeth I is in there with her sister Mary, but Mary Queen of Scots gets her gets her own team, so maybe there's a maybe there's a last laugh element there. I don't know. Um uh, Oh Emma, talking about the sixth the Queen will become a platinum queen. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, yeah. So um Queen Elizabeth, our current queen, uh, is 70 years on the throne. Uh, is that the 6th of Feb? Uh, so this is obviously the Platinum Jubilee year. If you are here, I know some people have been in contact with me about doing private tours um, in June. Uh, there are extra bank holidays in June. Well, there's one extra and one's been moved. So that we end up with a four-day weekend around the Queen's uh, Platinum Jubilee celebrations, which... Um, which should be very fun, should be very, very fun. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be lots and lots on. So if you are coming to the UK, you're, you're in the UK, um, you might, you either might want to get involved or might want to avoid places on those days because it's going to get busy, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so there you go. Uh, I have, there's, there's um, I've chair today, uh, Oh, shall I come back to this? I'll come back to this, actually. Um, Jenna says, it's ironic how Mary I, Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots are, how they're buried. Yeah. Well, yes. So Elizabeth ends up in, yeah, ends up in the grave with her sister, half-sister Mary. Or you could say Mary ends up in the same grave as Elizabeth. Elizabeth's effigy is on the top. There's nothing to show. I mean, there's an inscription, but there's nothing to show that Mary is in there. Um... And then, yeah, Mary Queen of Scots is really, really close. Now, of course, the the, lady, the the women didn't meet in real life, as far as we know, um, despite what the films say. They didn't meet in real life. Um, and yet they're buried so close to each other. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, now, what else have I got to tell you about? I, I am... 
um, sharing this weekend in my newsletter. If you're not, if you, if you're not already signed up to my newsletter, I'd recommend it because that's where I kind of summarise everything that I've been involved in, and you can sign up to that um, on my website, BritishHistoryTours.com, or you can follow the link from my bio on Instagram. Um, and in there this week, I've got a link to a podcast that I um, was on as a guest talking about um, St Swithin and Swithin Wells. Now, the, the, it's, it's, a, it's um, Cassidy Cash's podcast, which is that Shakespeare life. Um, and she was asking me about St Swithin because it's, it's relevant to, um, to a Shakespeare play. But through doing the um, research for St Swithin, I also came across, and she, she had also come across, um, someone called Swithin Wells, who was also made a saint. A saint. Um, so there's two Saint Swithins, but he was a contemporary. He was he was um, he he lived during Elizabeth's reign. He was executed during Elizabeth's reign. Um, anyway, so I'm talking about that on that podcast. So uh, if you sign up to the newsletter, you'll you'll see that. I've also shared a link to to that podcast on my Instagram story. Colleen says, Mary Queen of Scots never met Elizabeth, question mark. Maybe that made her death warrant easier to sign. Let's talk about the death warrant. Yes. I think it made, yeah, I think it made her whole attitude towards Mary easier to stomach. Now, the, Elizabeth's council um, Cecil in particular were anti-Catholic, anti-Mary. I mean, the story goes back a long, long way, right back to when Mary um, uh, was was still married to the Dauphin, France, uh, Francis, the Dauphin of France. When Mary died, Mary Tudor, Mary the First died. The, uh, the the king of France, and so I don't know how the mechanics of this work, but but started to um, get Mary and Francois to use the arms of England on their on their badge or on their arms. That was an open um, claim to the English throne. Now. That's because Catholic Europe didn't recognise Elizabeth as the legitimate successor to Mary because they didn't see her as legitimate at all. They didn't see the Anne Boleyn marriage as legitimate and therefore Elizabeth shouldn't have been able to uh, inherit the throne in their eyes. So for Mary to display um, the English coat of arms on hers was this open act, really. Um, now... <laughs> that there's the beginning and Mary wouldn't have known that she that her position would become more and more unstuck as she as she got older you know she could not obviously have anticipated where that would have ended up but that is the kind of thing that um that Cecil just he he, he had no intention of ever uh, doing anything but destroying Mary um now Mary was incarcerated in England for nearly 20 years, of course, 
she she came to England voluntarily, so Cecil didn't um, have anything to do with that. But once she was here, she was quickly, um, she quickly went, hi Rennie, thank you, happy birthday to my live, thank you. Uh, she was quickly, um, she quickly went from being a guest to being um, a guest in inverted commas, <laughs> you know. She was being very carefully watched, uh, very carefully, um, uh, yeah, watched, held, and eventually it was broke. The news was broken to her that she was in fact a captive of her cousin Elizabeth I. In fact, as she turned up to Tutbury the first time. Um, so anyway, that that will be in in uh, in the visit to Britain tomorrow when I go into Mary's story at Tutbury. Excuse me. <coughs> oh my voice isn't doing too bad how long have we been going for 56 minutes oh okay doing well um so uh so yeah so so mary um is a captive for a very long time now what is really interesting um and patrons you can see a interview with Leslie Smith about Mary at Tutbury and I might make this public because it's almost 12 months old now. She talks about the conditions that Mary was kept in um, at Tutbury. Now initially they were good. Very quickly they were not good and by not good I mean they were um, uh, quite, well, I suppose they they would engender disease or you know just bad health so for instance um she was held well where she was held uh at Tutbury there was it was damp there was mold on everything um Mary complains that every three days there's new that you know there's more mold on the hangings on the windows so whatever they did it was still um it was it was still very very dirty very musty just and this is at a time where it's not too far from the truth is that they believed in miasma so that that um you know the disease disease would come through the air um <laughs> really not far from the truth um through smells she was below her 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 lodgings were below the privy tip for the castle so the the stench of human waste was there um so from that i mean that's that actually that's just the physical i said just the physical psychologically um her, one of her priests she was allowed two priests one priest she opened her shutters one morning her priest was hanging outside her shutters one of her gentlemen was found down dead down a well the, the so you've got physical hardship mental hardship incredible incredibly hard so elizabeth yes procrastinates and eventually signs the death warrant um in early february uh, uh 15 what was i saying 1568 uh sorry 1580 where am i 1587 um but that's not to say she didn't want her dead before that Okay, there's one thing um, saying, signing the death warrant. There's another thing, actually, that's, you know, because she wants her alive. Excuse me. <coughs> <coughs> uh, 
um, because the conditions she was kept in were such that you can you can believe that you know if I was doing this like a phone call <laughs> like you know Elizabeth picks up the phone there's no phones a messenger gets sent to Elizabeth to say Mary's died of consumption or something oh dear oh that's tragic Elizabeth could have done all this um, but I tell you what Mary Mary was a very ill woman um, she had signs of stomach ulcers she had lost her hair um, uh, she'd ballooned in weight because she wasn't allowed to exercise um, and um, you know but, but she appears extremely robust um, Rennie how come no one has ever talked about these things she's seen and endured it's a very interesting question Rennie and it's one that when we talk about historical drama tends to come up as a frustration um, that many of us share about the story of Mary uh, because in in films and it, it is incredible because the story after her incarceration is full I mean you you have um two plots that we know of the Babington and the one before um and yet in in films there's the bit before she comes to England and then and then you see her sort of get executed she she was a prisoner for nearly 20 years Colleen says it's amazing she didn't die indeed it really is Marion says I heard Elizabeth's counsel tricked her into signing the death warrant by putting all these papers she needed to sign and snuck Mary's death warrant in there uh, I'll come back to that in a moment and Colleen says all we hear about is her ro is her romantic life indeed and also in dramas she's um she's still really young isn't she when she uh um when she's executed now she's not old by the time she's executed um but she wouldn't have been youthful and fresh you know she's been through a lot she's had miscarriages she's 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 seen things that no one should see she's experienced things no one should experience I mean just think about the the execution of her uh, well the, the 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 horrible murder of her private secretary Rizzio up at um, the Palace of Holyrood um, house you know, she's while well, she was pregnant with James I mean she she's she she saw and endured stuff that nobody should ha have to over and over and over again um, Marion so okay so there's a there's there is I've also heard that account I've also heard that she actually asks for this the death warrant to be brought to her she signs it and she does ask for it not to um I think she asks for it not to go anywhere that's the order that isn't honored um Jenna I'm not sure if it's true but I read somewhere um I can't remember where that after Mary's execution they left her body in the execution room for several days before her burial. Is that true? Not that I've heard. I will look into it. I don't think so. I thought her... Hmm. Now, her burial, this is from um, memory, I'm pretty sure happened at night. Um, but I don't know how, how... I don't know how long after... Or how quickly after her execution 
I can find out because I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've written a blog on it at some point. <laughs> um, now the other thing that, um, let me just get rid of this. The other thing that's of interest about um, Elizabeth signing the death warrant is the uh, the 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 man in charge of of Mary at the time is a man called um, Paulus Am Amlet Am oh Amius Amlet oh goodness goodness me what's his name Paulus he was a French ambassador for a while Amulet. Oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> Google it. Uh, anyway, but he he is kind of asked. Oh, it's it's insinuated very strongly. Um, wouldn't it be better if Mary's sort of poisoned? If she just dies? And he he actually says, or he 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 writes to Elizabeth. You have. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Paulette. Yeah. What's his surname? <laughs> Lisa. Um, I'm no, I'm not going to guess. I've obviously got it wrong. Um, he so he writes to to Elizabeth and, and effectively says, you know, you have my body and my my, uh, you have my body, you have you have me, um, you know, fully. But don't make a shipwreck of my soul, or you know, I plead with you not to make a shipwreck of my soul. Um, in other words, he's refusing. He's not going to do that. Um, uh, so anyway, Elizabeth signed the death warrant. It does get delivered to Fotheringay. She is not informed of that or the execution until it has happened, until it was over. That's Cecil's work. That's him making sure that she doesn't change her mind. Um, Mary wore red, sign of a martyr. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really tragic story that I really wish was told better. Amias Paulette, thank you, Barbara. How are you, Barbara? I hope you're well. Um, uh, Colleen, the mental torture and a botched execution. Yeah. Amias Paulette. Thank you, everybody. I knew it was something, you know, when you've read a name over and over again, and then I try and say it out loud, I'm like, is that actually how it sounds? Amias Paulette. Um, fluent French speaker, like I say, he'd been a French ambassador. I remember Mary spoke fluent French. She had French attendants. She spoke Latin and she spoke um, uh, obviously English. Um, Marion says, do you think Elizabeth grieved for real or for show? Um, I think, I think Elizabeth's panic was real. Um, she because it carried on for the rest of Elizabeth's life so there was some real regret there although she, she typically blamed Mary for putting her in the position in that position um so it was regret for the position she'd been put into um I think as opposed to regret for killing Mary however we also talked about earlier the fact that they didn't meet and I do think that I think there was a number of reasons for that it made it easier when it came to do what she had to do um but also Elizabeth was scared of or wary of being compared to Mary Mary at a time I mean Elizabeth was a tall woman but Mary was even taller Mary was nearly six foot 
They both had the Tudor red hair. Mary was, um, was she 11 years? She was around about 10 years younger than Elizabeth. Now we know Elizabeth was always concerned about that. And indeed, Colleen says here, chopping off a queen's head is a little bit too close to home. Of course, remembering um, Elizabeth's mother's uh, fate, Anne Boleyn's fate. And indeed, I'm sure that must have played on her mind. I'm sure it must have done. Um, so yeah, better than fiction, right? So how is that not in the in the films? All of uh, the rest of Mary, Mary's incarceration. Um, Jenna thinks she did have regrets about the execution. If you look at, at it, she had to put herself in the same place as her father. Yeah. Oh. And, um, yeah. There's probably lots of elements. I mean, where was Mary's son in this? Um, he wasn't going to do anything. He didn't want to have a joint monarchy. He didn't want to invite his mother back to Scotland. It's one of those as well, isn't it? You think, oh, there were so many other ways that that could have worked its way out. Um, Colleen gave gave her... I don't think um, Elizabeth gave James the crown out of guilt. That was already in in the plan. It was, it, it, as in, it was already the motion... Yeah, it, the, things were already in motion in order for that to happen. Lisa, if Elizabeth can execute Mary, then others could execute Elizabeth. It's um, one of the big drivers um, of, for, for Elizabeth. One of the, um, the you know the big um, justifications that she was given was you are in danger whilst Mary lives. But what happened? Those who didn't care for Mary. You remember Rome didn't come to Mary's, um, I mean, they said stuff, but nobody nobody launched an attack on England proper to, to rescue her. Um, in fact, early on in Mary's incarceration, Elizabeth didn't really want her. So, did, did the French, do you, do you want her? No. Rome, Rome, do you want her? No. Scotland, do you want her back? No. Um, so... So she ends up staying in England. Really, I don't think Elizabeth even wanted her incarcerated in England. Um, so uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. So, I, but the 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 um, the transition to James um, was was the motion. Yeah, everything was already in motion anyway. Um, but certainly, Elizabeth, it seemed to bother Elizabeth for the rest of her life, what she'd done, or what she'd been, or what in her eyes she'd been forced to do. Um, yeah, which is, which is an interesting difference, isn't it? Anyway, shall I lighten the mood? We just talked about execution. So, I've talked about Tutbury loads. Patrons, look out for the blog when I've finished it, um, where I'm talking about the castle, because it's got a very long history as well. Um... And while I'm here, save the date, everyone. If you're in the UK, uh, either live here or you think you're going to be here at the end of June, save the date, please, 26th of June, for the Tudor Festival, which I'm organising. It's going to be held at Tutbury and you're going to be able to immerse yourself into Tudor times. It's going to be absolutely fabulous. 
Oh, Lisa, yes. Shall I do the question now? I shall do that. Um, oh, Renee, thank you. Good way to start your day. Oh, thank you. Anyone out there who's got, you know, do you know, I would actually love to do this for a proper living. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'll wake you all up. Oh, Renee's coming in July. Yes. Yes. Well, if it goes well, it shall be repeated. Let's do, thank you, Lisa, for the reminder. Let's do last week's um, just for fun question. Let's do it. So it was based on my interview with Leslie Smith. Please check it out if you haven't already. It's about her portrayal of women um, through history, how she goes about creating the characters. It's really fascinating, the process, because like I said earlier, I don't, I don't quite want to use the word reenacting because it's not quite, it's not really. She sort of becomes the person and she does monologues. They're not scripted, by the way. They're based on her knowledge and she talks to you as if she is. Um, Mary Queen of Scots I've seen her do, Elizabeth, Anne Boleyn, um, there's 12, people, 12 characters she does in all. Now, one of her newest characters, or her newest character, is Catherine of Aragon, and I was lucky, lucky enough to see Leslie perform as Catherine of Aragon at Peterborough Cathedral, January 2020, just before the world exploded. Now, the dress that she wears for Catherine of Aragon is her is her heaviest dress the second heaviest is the elizabeth one so my question to everyone last week if you've done your homework was how heavy is the dress that leslie smith wears when she appears as catherine of aragon have you got any idea i've worked this out in stones pounds and kilos so you can just take a guess if you want because this is a bit heavy it is heavy <laughs> it is heavy <laughs> lisa's got the right answer i'm going to give people a little bit of time so how heavy take a guess if you haven't if you haven't watched the the video so it's a it's um well, it's a full gown it's a full-on tudor gown uh colleen guesses 26 pounds Ooh, was that a guess, Colleen? That's that's very close. I should. Uh, oh no, no, it's not actually. Sorry, I'm getting my kilos and my pounds mixed up. Morag says eight kilos. Emma says fifteen stone. <laughs> That'd be like carrying a bloke on your back. Um, Colleen's Anne Boleyn costume is very heavy. There's a lot of material involved, isn't there? A lot of material involved in these dresses. Um, let's have another look. Marion's guessing at thirty pounds. Katie is guessing at four stone. We have some very good guesses here. Very good guesses. Okay, shall I give you the answer? Barbara's guessing at three stone. Okay, I'll give you the answer now. How long have we go for? An hour and a quarter. The answer is four and a half stone, this dress uh, weighs. 63 pounds, I think, if my maths is correct, or Google was correct, and 28 or 28 and a half kilos. So four and a half stone, 63 pounds or 28 and a half kilos. Now, obviously, it's distributed, but that is still a heavy dress. 
She can't, I don't think she can stand up in it for too long. <laughs> Thank you, Janemir. Yeah, more access. Wow. Yep, clean. I know. Four and a half stone. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting lots of, holy cow, heavier than a wedding gown. Yes. Oh, Renee. I want to know if, if that's anywhere near the weight of your wedding gown. I want to see your wedding gown. Um, but yeah, isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? Um, oh, clean. Oh, a hockey uniform is 60, what, 60 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> worn for defence. You know, this is, this is a gown worn for, um, Bobby Ann was going to guess at 72 pounds. Well, you would not have been far off. Yeah, Renee, you can show me one day. So I'm going to set next week's question then while we're here, everyone. This is linked to yesterday's History After Dark room, which I'll let, let me tell you a bit more about that in a minute. Um, I did an interview with um, Phil Downing, who is the house manager at a place called Harvington Hall. Um yeah, I do need to see it. I need to see what a four stone gown looks like. Um, a wedding gown. I think it sounds impressive. Um, so yeah, so I did an interview with Phil Downing uh, at Harvington Hall, and he is so he's the house manager there. We talked to him on the History After Dark room last night about his time um, hiding in one of the. Uh, houses seven priest hides um, so I can see hi Celia joining from Brazil I hope you're well um, so yeah anyway so that was history after I'll come back to that so the question though for next week your just for fun question your homework for this week is to watch my interview with Phil I want to know from that um, from that uh, chat you can find out when was the Elizabethan phase of Harvington Hall began. In there, he tells us the year that the Elizabethan phase of the house was 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 begun. Now, most of the house is um, Elizabethan. It's fantastic. We're going there in July. Anyone who's on tour with me in July, we are going to Harvington Hall. Oh, my goodness, we have got an amazing day sorted so the July tour is the Elizabeth the first tour um, that I'm doing and we are getting a private, it's, it's close to the public the day we go, so we're getting a private tour of Harvington Hall. Leslie Smith is going to be there as Elizabeth the first. Oh my stomach's rumbling, I'm so sorry. Um, so Leslie Smith is going to be there as Elizabeth the, Elizabeth the first and then and then we're getting talk from Tracy Borman there. And then we get to have dinner in Harvington Hall as well. Honestly, the day is going to blow my mind that everyone else is. I'm so chuffed to have, um, to have sorted that out. But yeah, so anyway, back to it. Um, so we had Phil on last night on History After Dark. And if you check out my interview with him, uh, then you will be able to find out the answer to this week's uh, question which is when was the Elizabethan um, part of um, uh, Harvington Hall uh, built. 
sorry, I was getting a little bit distracted. Colleen, the July dates are 18th till the 23rd of July. Um, yes. Honestly, I'm so excited. It's going to be wicked. Absolutely amazing. So, well proud of myself. Pat on my back. So, well, so, oh yeah, so History After Dark last night. We had Phil on. If you haven't seen, if you didn't manage to join us, we were actually quite well behaved last night for History After Dark. For History After Dark with Phil involved. I mean, Phil, Phil, if you think we go off the rails sometimes, honestly, Phil is, um, my stomach is really rumbling. I need some birthday cake. Um, Phil is uh, just very, very funny. And, uh, oh, Jen's birthday is the 18th of July. Well, you know what you need to be doing for your birthday. Um, Maura, I definitely want to join you on a tour one day. I would love to welcome you. Thank you, Duran. Happy first birthday to me. Thank you for sharing my immense knowledge. It's 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 a it's a it's a brain that's full of all sorts of stuff. Nora says last night was very tame. Colleen can do June. Awesome. Get it in the diary. Um, <laughs> Mad journalist says really proud of last night's chat. Actually, it only devolved at the very very end. <laughs> so you can still catch it at history dot after dot dark on Instagram. We were asking Phil. Um, about his time hiding in the priest hide. Now, Harvington has uh, seven priest hides. These were built during the time that you were not allowed to be a Catholic in Elizabethan England. And the priest hides were built in order to hide your priests. But you had priests, you actually had, um, he didn't mention this yesterday, but they, they, they had they had hides that were big enough for a person, that but there were also um, there were also <laughs> my stomach's really rumbling. I'm so sorry if you can hear that. Um, but there were also places for um, the accoutrements of the mass to be uh, to be um, hidden as well. So houses would have all these sorts of like nooks and crannies, um, and if you know, yes, they might not have found a person, but if they found if they found the chalice or they found whatever, you know, the, the vestments um, of a priest in a house, you know, they, so it doesn't matter. They're just going to rip the house apart to find the rest. Now, Phil, it's Phil's experience of being in the priest hide for 36 hours, which uh, I think he said the longest person, longest um the longest time they know of someone hiding in a priest hide, I think he said, was 10 days. Um, during, you know, obviously during Elizabeth's time, not voluntarily, which is what he did. 36 hours in the priest hide. And he, he was talking to us about his experience of just trying to keep quiet. Um, yeah, Colleen, I can't believe he did that. The, the being in the dark. How do you tell the time? Um, the going to the toilet. Of course, we had to cover that. Um, and oh, watch the watch the chat if you haven't watched it already. It's um, really insightful, and he found it insightful. Um, and just the effect it had on him. Excuse me. <coughs> the effect it had on him to be in that in that dark, cramped, dusty place. In it, you know, and he was safe, 
But just that experience of being in there um, left him quite shaken afterwards. Um, so imagine what it would have been like if you were a priest and you knew that if those sounds that you're making were overheard by someone looking for you, then the not only is your life in danger, you're going to go through torture, but so are the people hiding you. Um, Jenna said it was great, so much interesting information. Yeah, we we're very proud of it. Um, yeah, he is very, very interesting. So you can watch my chat with Phil um, on my YouTube channel for the answer for this week's Just a Fun question, but you can also check out our chat with him last night on History After Dark um, on the history.after.dark handle on uh, Instagram. Next week, we actually know what we're doing next week, which is amazing. Next week, we are discussing um, Britain's greatest monarchs, which could be a um, contradiction in terms. Um, yeah, uh, Jenna says, the fact they can hear you sleeping is scary enough. So one of the things that Phil told us was that when he was asleep, so there's a, there's, um, there's a caretaker at the house as well. So he would be checking on Phil and he could hear him breathing when Phil was asleep through the walls. You know, so that's just his breathing they, that could be heard. Can you imagine? So the, the, having to keep quiet, any kind of movement, anything was, um, it was able to be heard. But next week on History After Dark, we will be talking about Britain's greatest monarchs. We're going to be looking at the, it, one of the magazines that's out at the moment here has uh, a number of nominations from historians. We're going to be discussing their nominations. We're going to be putting forward some of our own. And we're going to probably come up with some kind of scoring system for them. It's probably not going to be hugely scientific. It's going to be, um, it's going to be um, probably just, I don't know, it's going to be fun. But we would like you to come along. So if you're around next week, quarter past eight um, UK time on Wednesday, it's the History After Dark show and we are discussing Britain's greatest monarchs. That's right back to Old English, Scottish, British, anyone you want to put forward. Um, please do come along and pop it in the comments. John, ridiculously late, but you are here. And I'm still here at 1 minute 26. So thank you everyone who's still with me from the beginning as well. Happy anniversary. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. John is also a patron. If you come over and join us, you will be, uh, you will, will be in a fantastic club. Um, it is a great way of supporting me. It's a great way of getting exclusive content. Stuff that I don't share anywhere else is on Patreon. Um, last week, um, I released for the top two tiers the um, the the quarterly special where I looked at Catherine of Aragon's life, the the ups and the downs. Sort of went up and then down, really. But anyway, went through her life in a in a special called Remembering Catherine of Aragon. I've also added as a perk um, the close being on my close friends list on Instagram. This is a, a new perk. So um, it's not for every tier. I think it's, I can't remember, I've put it for the top two tiers again. So when I'm out and about sharing, I can just share exclusive content on my close friends list with you. Um, Alma, I've always, I always have a great listening 
it's, I always have a great listening with you every time you do this tea time. I enjoy it very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, at Lisa says, will the Harvington Hall day out be repeated? I'm jealous of those going. Well, Lisa, that is part of the... Oh, you give me an idea now. <laughs> Cogs are whirring. Um, it's part of the Elizabeth tour, the Elizabeth, the Elizabeth I tour, which I'm running in July. The tour itself might be repeated, um, but you've now given me an idea that it, it could be a day um, on its own, potentially, um, because I'm looking at doing events, uh, which is where the Tutbury, the Tudor Festival in Tutbury, 26th of June, um, save the date people, I'll let you know when tickets go on sale, um, but that's where that's come from, I want to do more UK events, you know, shorter events as well which is why. So that's where British history events as well as tours has come from. Uh, Marion's really enjoying these longer formats. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Remember everyone, you can, you can buy me a birthday coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash uh, Philippa. More than, more than welcome. Um, and obviously if you are not a patron already, then let me just tell you a bit more actually. Um, because, so I've mentioned that I've added the close friends as a perk. Um, there's also a discount every every um, every tier other than the upper tier upper, upper class tier gets a discount at the uh, British History Shop Monarchy tier you get a free high res um, image every month um, now I oh yes I'm interviewing Gareth Russell right so now John I know you've put in your questions Janice I think I've got I've got questions from you haven't I um, so I've got questions from my patrons that I'm going to be putting to Gareth Russell. Um, Gareth Russell is the uh, author of these amazing books. This is Young and Damned and Fair. I'm going to come and talk. I'm going to talk to you a bit more about this in a, min in a minute. And the Titanic, this amazing Titanic book on the ship of dreams. Gareth is the author of both of these as well as a number of other brilliant books. And he is um, he's actually going to be my co-host on the May and July tours as well. But beside that, I am interviewing him next week, ready for, it's gonna go live in April. Excuse me. <coughs> what I want to talk to him about is the downfalls of both Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard and a bit of a compare and contrast. Because to understand one, sorry, when you, when you know about both, you can see the differences and that helps understand the events around each. So we're going to be going into that. Um, so I'm going to be going into that with Gareth. Patrons have been able to put forward questions to Gareth based on that or anything else to do with history. And when that interview comes out, everyone will get a chance to, um, uh, to win a signed copy of this book, which is in many people's eyes, including my own, the biography of Catherine Howard. It's it's brilliant. So you may not want to wait. You may not want to wait for the competition because you may just want to uh, want to buy a copy now. Um, and if you do, then you can check out my Amazon store, which is um, Amazon.co.uk uh, forward slash shop forward slash British History because there's a link. I, the books are no more expensive. I do get a bit of a commission, but it's a great way, again, of supporting me. Um, and it just makes it really easy for you to find the books that I'm talking about as well. Um, so there's that. Um, 
so that's going to be great if you are in i was going to say before i do move on i mean you can look look you can see all my notes on this one the titanic book if, if you're interested in the titanic or and or the edwardian era this uh is a brilliant book because it covers anglo-american relations as well so for 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 you either side you know either side of the pond um it's a it's a really good book you can find a link to that um on my amazon shop as well um so coming up on um bobby's just bought that one <laughs> yeah if anyone's on tour by the way in may or july and you've got one of gareth's books bring it with you because he will um he will sign it for you um, Colleen's just started the Titanic one. It's fantastic. It's again another one that I listened to on Audible and then and then bought it. Colleen's on Audible, yeah. Well, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I listened to it on Audible. The the narrator is lovely. I can't remember her name, but it's, she's she's got a lovely voice. Um, really easy to listen to. And um, uh, yeah, and then I just bought the book. Marion, I love the Edwardian era and that's why I enjoyed it so much. Yes, it's it's brilliant. How he weaves in so many different stories. Um, obviously, with Titanic as the key uh, in the middle, but there's lots to understand. Um, and he tells it so well, so easily to, to, to sort of take in. Hi, Meg, how are you? Um, oh, clean. And then you get the book as well. Yeah, exactly the same as me then. Um now, I'll tell you what I've got coming up on Patreon, because even if you're not a patron, I'll end up talking to you about bits of it anyway. Next um, next week, I'm looking at Hereford Cathedral and the medieval treasures there. Now, I've spoken about Hereford, I think. Um, you want to see the ring? <laughs> Colleen's asking to see the ring. It's citrine, and that's a little bee on the top. <laughs> everyone else yeah it's a tiffany ring um michael's got to go so you've been with me you've been from the beginning michael thank you have a great day john says it's excellent the titanic book is three quarters of the way through um thank you colleen <laughs> so uh thanks jenna so yes yeah, so next week i'll talk about um probably talk about hereford but in patreon you're definitely going to get a more in-depth look they've got the map of mundi which is a medieval map um of the world um they they they've they actually don't at the moment but they normally have a 1217 version of the um uh, magna carta they've got the chained library it's a fantastic um cathedral so i'm going to be doing a focus on that next week lisa citrine is a stone of abundance yes <laughs> oh, keep wearing it um and then the week after i will be live so i'm going to be th so this will it'll be shorter it's always shorter when i'm on location but i will be coming to you live from a location which the patrons already know where i'm going but i will uh i'll leave it as a surprise for everyone else and that's because I'm going to do a walk around of the place, uh, but I will do a live um, for for this as well that day. Then in March, I'm going to look at the Prince of Wales, the title, where it comes from, why is it given to the heir to the uh, English and, and subsequently British throne, and the the Prince of Wales feathers as well. Because the story is behind all of this and it's very, very interesting. So I'm going to be covering that. I'm going to do a virtual tour of Acton Court for patrons. And then there's going to be another live 
um, from um, from a location to be disclosed. In April, I will be doing a blog on the Tudor siblings. So that's um, Henry Fitzroy, Edward, uh, Mary and Elizabeth. And then uh, Gareth's interview that I've just spoken about, that will come out in April as well. And then my quarterly event. Now, this is this is this is a bit of a challenge to myself as well, but I think it's going to be well worth it, is, um, is, to, is a beginner's guide to the old English kings. These are the people, these are the kings, these are the rulers that came before the Norman Conquest. It's so tempting to always just go back to William and then, um, and then, come you know sorry go back to William and, and then and then go from that point forward for a whole host of reasons not least that everything was written down a bit more systematically um etc etc the names are easier you know do you know your Ethelfrith from your Ethelfred from your everyone else um anyway so we're going to be doing that beginner's guide to the old English kings um Rennie yes so if you go on to if you go on to patreon.com forward slash British British history sorry so patreon.com forward slash British history on there the top um yeah if you have a look the top post I've pinned it to the top is is this so it is the calendar with all the dates on and all the topics what, what that we'll be covering now obviously depending on what tier you're on depends on how much of that you get um, but there, there's, I mean, there's lots of other perks as well as the behind the scenes stuff and all that kind of thing as well for, for most, most of the tiers. Um, so what else have we got? How long have we going for now? An hour and 40 people. Whew. We are not doing badly at all. So I've done this, I've done this week's just for fun question. Oh, I know what I need to tell you about as well. The interview I did with Heather Darcy about Anna of Cleves, um, better known, I suppose, to us as Anne of Cleves, that will be coming out in a couple of weeks' time as well. Um, that is a fascinating chat. And there will also be a chance to win um, Heather's book about Anna of Cleves. It throws open the whole discussion about the marriage of um of Anna and and Henry VIII why it fell apart why it seemed doomed from the very beginning and Heather's research brings up yes Heather has also got a new book clean she has hasn't she on the um the the, the siblings excuse me <coughs> um and her so actually I mean I'm what I'm going to do with that competition is I am going to directly send the winner the book so you'll have I can actually do it so you can have a choice of which book of Heather's you want whether you want the Arna one or you want the new one John says Heather's book is revelatory it is it really is um because there is because when you hear Heather's um findings they make sense and when when you think of the um story that we've had about Anna of Cleves and Henry's marriage it just anyone else did it just jolt a bit did you not just you know you think well 
Really? So she, so, so he's so annoyed. He's so put off by the fact that she, that she doesn't recognise him when she first sees him and he's in disguise. That's so bad that he, that that dooms the marriage. It doesn't make sense. Then when you listen to what Heather talks about, the political situation, basically, in a nutshell, in Europe, it makes all sense. So I'm going to leave it to, uh, to Heather to explain it to you in our interview. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. She's got a, um, anyway, it's, it's a visual one. Leslie's was a, um, just an audio one with Heather. It's visual. So you'll be able to see, um, because she has some uh, illustrations as well, which help, um, understand the story a bit. So that will be coming up as well in the next couple of weeks. So there's lots going on. Um, so before I leave you, just a few reminders, I will be live again tomorrow at four o'clock, um, talking about, uh, with being the travel, um, Tudor Britain room. So if you look out for me going live at four o'clock tomorrow, I will be talking about the Tudors at Tutbury Castle, focusing a lot, obviously on Mary Queen of Scots, um, because that's the most significant story in Tudor times there. Um, save the date for 26th of June if you're in the UK or going to be in the UK for the Tudor Festival which will be held at Tutbury and I will let you know when tickets go on sale and how to get hold of them. Um, then I'll be back next Wednesday night for History After Dark on history.after.dark on Instagram. We're talking about Britain's best monarchs and I really want to know who you would put forward. You've got to say why as well. Um, and we'll be looking at some of the questionable nominations that are in are in one of the magazines at the moment. Um, it's yeah, it's go, it's going to be fun as usual. Um, and obviously, I'll be back here again next week as well. So, I just before I go, thank you so much for joining me for this epic one hour forty two almost. Uh, Thursday History Chat Live, Thursday Tea Time History Chat Live. It's the first birthday episode. Um, I want to thank all of you, whether you have been with me for a long time or whether you're new here. Thank you so much. Thank you especially to those who have bought me a coffee or joined my Patreon or joined my YouTube channel because um, you help me. Um, you help me carry on doing the free stuff because, you know, food doesn't food's not free um colleen thank you for joining me it's been wonderful i rock thank you katie says thank you for an interesting afternoon bobby ann thank you and have a wonderful evening and lisa says thank you as well bye john as well so everyone have a fantastic rest of your day rennie thank you as well um, thank you for taking the time with us. I love it. Happy first year. Happy many more years to come. I'll join and become a patron and YouTube member as well. You're fabulous. Thank you so, so much. Very, very welcome. Um, Jenna, fun as always. Have a good day. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Mad Journalist. Catch you tomorrow. Colleen, Colleen sending me a beer. Love you already. Love you. Love you. Love you. Um, I'll start actually sharing pictures of me with my beer or coffee. Shall I do that as well? So that you know that you've actually bought me a beer or a coffee. <laughs> It'll be lovely. Okay. Thank you, everyone. I will see you all very soon. Bye, everyone. <laughs>